to Habakkuk chapter 3. I'm going to give you time to find it. If this helps, it's right after Nahum and right before Zephaniah. Okay? <laughs> Habakkuk chapter 3. This is one of those passages that I always think about and have heard about and never done everything I've actually preached on this passage. And the Lord gave it to me for our church for today. I know it's for me. If it's not for anybody else, it's for me. I pray that the Lord would speak to your heart. Everybody there, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. We'll read through there through first through verse 19. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and He will make my feet like hinds feet. And He will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer on my string instrument. So obviously it was written to a musician in the house of God. But in, the, in verse 17, we're going to focus. This is our, our text for the day. We're going to stay right here for the most part. And in the book of Habakkuk. But things were, were totally contrary you would have to say. I don't think it takes any stretch of an imagination to look at verse 17. Things were bad. Things were wrong. Things were contrary to what the way Habakkuk wanted them to, to be. But this man made two glorious professions. I see two glorious professions of faith. In verse 18, he says, Yet I will rejoice I will, in the Lord, I will join the God of my salvation. Number two, he knew by faith the Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet like hinds feet. He will make me to walk in my high places. So I'm just praying to pray. I don't always do this. I've said it before. Sometimes the Lord will give me a little prayer. I'm going to pray this prayer for our church right now and for myself. Oh God, how we need you today. How we need to trust you and believe you like this like what we just read in Habakkuk today, right now. We need You, Lord, and we need You to strengthen us to trust You like Habakkuk. Lord, I want to have Habakkuk's profession to be my profession. And so the Lord just gave me that little prayer. A quick background on Habakkuk. He was a, what they call a minor prophet, one of the minor prophets. And uh, this book was written about 680 to 650 BC. And the book, it's only three chapters, but the entire book is a conversation between God and Habakkuk. God is answering some questions that Habakkuk has. And there would be natural questions for any man or woman of God asking, Lord, why, why does it, uh, are, the, are the wicked prospering? Why are you not bringing judgment? Why are you not, where's the justice of God? Why are you letting the, the righteous men fall at the feet? Literally, like being killed or whatever. Fall at the feet of the wicked. Why is this going on? And the Lord is, begins to answer His questions. And I want us to read in chapter 1. We're going to read 3-5. through five, And we'll, we'll read uh, several verses from this book this morning. Habakkuk 1, 3-5. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? 
For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slapped, and judgment that never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Does that sound familiar? Uh, Behold ye among the heathen in regard and wonder marvelously. This is the Lord's reply. For I will work a work in your days which ye will not believe, though it was told you. Now, God was about to bring judgment. God was about to bring judgment. Specifically, the Babylonian captivity. And, you know, if the kingdom was divided in this time and most of Israel had already gone into captivity or was about to, and then Judah was going to go on. There's all Israel, but the kingdom was divided at that time. Habakkuk is speaking to Judah and that's where his ministry is. But God is about to bring this captivity. And let's look at verses 6 and 7 just quickly. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that's the Babylonians, that bitter and hasty nation which shall march through the breadth of the, of the land, through Israel, to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible. This is the Chaldeans. And dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. And we're just going to, it goes on to describe their horses, how swift they are. They're not going to break their ranks. They're going to be armies that march through the land. They're going to almost be empowered by the Lord to do this because they are His instrument for this time to do this. They're wicked people, the Chaldeans and Nebuchadnezzar and so forth. But God is using them as an instrument and they're going to be uh, unbelievably scary Okay, and fearful and fierce, and they're going to march through the land. Nobody's going to break their ranks and get them to scatter or flee or hide behind a rock. They're all marching straight forward and they're coming because I sent them. Okay, and here is a man of God, Habakkuk, and he's facing all this. And he, he's, uh, he's about to go into it himself. You know, Jeremiah went through the same thing and lived around the same time. Uh, Daniel lived in the captivity. We talked about Daniel last week. But Habakkuk, more than any prophet, he seems to be most concerned about God's reputation, if you want to call it that. Habakkuk, if we don't have time to read the whole book, of course, but Habakkuk seems m- most concerned about God's glory, God's holiness, God's justice and His judgment through it all. He wants God to be seen rightly okay and i want to just read a couple of verses in chapter 1 verses 12 and 13 uh it says art not thou from everlasting o lord my god now this is a conversation back and forth art not thou from everlasting o lord my god my holy one we should not die o lord thou hast ordained them for judgment and almighty god thou hast established them for correction thou art of pure eyes than to behold evil and canst not look on iniquity he is more concerned about God's holiness, God, God's justice and judgment and doing what's right. Job was the same thing. Job, and, and you'll see this common with men and women of God. Job said, you don't have to turn there. I will fetch my knowledge from afar and will ascribe righteousness to my maker. At our Sunday school class on the breastplate of righteousness this morning. And, and Job says, even though what all he was going through, he says, I'm going to ascribe righteousness to my maker. He's still being right, even though I'm going through what I'm going through. I'm going to ascribe that to God as being righteous. 
Moses was the same way. When the uh, children of Israel were out in the wilderness and they complained and grumbled and murmured, and the Lord says, uh, and they worshiped the golden calf, let me alone, Moses, so I can destroy these people in a minute. And I'm going to break, make a new nation with you. I'll start over with you, Moses, and make a new nation. And Moses doesn't say, that sounds like a good deal. Moses has God's heart. He's an intercessor. And he, he says, Lord, what, what would the, the heathen say about you? You see what his first concern was? What would they say about you? They're going to say, God, you weren't, you weren't able to bring him into the promised land. It's going to reflect badly on you, Lord. And this is a godly trait. And we saw this with Habakkuk. The man or the woman, and this would be the same for us in our day, the man or the woman of God who is most concerned about the testimony of Almighty God uh, and exalting the name of the Lord, this glorious name of the Lord, the man or woman of God that is most concerned with His character, not just my comfort and safety and deliverance. And we pray for those things. Like we said for our nation, all right, what we're going through now. Absolutely, I pray that the wrong would be stopped and the right would prevail. But it needs to be for God's glory. Not a Republican Party's glory or a, a, a president's glory or for anybody's glory but the Lord's. And so you see that, that the man or woman of God that is most concerned with the Lord being exalted and represented rightly. We find this is the man most honored by the Lord. You know, the Lord honors people as well. We give all honor and glory to God. But He chooses to honor people. Not just who's saved. He saves anybody that genuinely repents and gives their lives to Jesus. Amen? He saves everyone. But there are those that the man or the woman that God most often uses. I kind of picture it like this. We're doing work at the at the church yesterday. And you have some things, like if, if you're a, uh, I look at Roy as a mechanic, or, or you know, me with my little carpentry work that I, can, that I do. You have something, a tool that you might be more comfortable with. And every time you really need something, you, you grab for that tool. And it's kind of like that with the Lord. He, he got a, a church filled with people that are saved. Alright? But then when He really needs to send someone to do something for him like a mission, he's going to reach in and he's going to grab that one that's been walking closely with him. He's going to reach in and grab, you know, it's like a king and the Lord is a king, so it's a good analogy, and said, this is my right hand man. i got to get something big done over here. This is the guy to do it. I'm not guessing if he's the right one. I'm not wondering. I know this guy and he knows me. We're one heart, one mind. He's going to represent me rightly out there and get the job done. And that's kind of a picture with these men like Moses and Habakkuk here that they're most concerned with God's glory. Okay, This is the one that the Lord is going to look to. This is the man or the woman that God is going to use. This is the one that He speaks to and draws closely to Himself and whispers something into their ear. The Bible says in Psalm 25, but the secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him and He will show them His covenant. Well, anybody that fears God and turns to Christ genuinely by faith will be saved, washed in the blood, the Lamb go to heaven for eternity. But then there are those within that group that, that the Lord would share this more intimate... It could be all of us. 
doesn't have to just be a limited number of people. But God's secret, that means intimate fellowship, is with them that fear Him, and He will show them His covenant. There are those that come in and draw nearer to the Lord. That is up to us because God is drawing us all. He's drawn us this morning. He's drawn us through this sermon. He's drawn us through the music. He's drawn us at the prayer meeting tonight. He's drawing us in to Himself. Not just to church, but to Himself. That could be all of us. And so, uh, I'm just going to read this. We see it in, in Abraham's life. When, when the Lord was about to come destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, right? He's, he's coming down to see if it's as wicked as, you know, as, as he's heard, basically, and he's coming to destroy it and bring judgment. Of course, Lot and his family live there. Abraham's going to intercede for them and have them delivered. But right prior to that, when he comes, uh, the Lord comes down and visits Abraham. And, Ab- and the Lord says, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken of him. What is he saying? Maybe he would have hidden it from somebody else. But we have it here written in the Word of God. Shall I hide this thing that I'm about to do from Abraham? For I know him. I know how he is. It doesn't mean he was perfect or sinless. But I know that He's going to keep my commandments. I know that He's going to raise up His children after Him to keep my commandments and to do justice and judgment. And so He shares with Abraham what He's about to do. And Abraham begins to intercede and plead with with the Lord to spare. And God does spare and deliver His nephew and His family out of that place. But we see this. Amen? We see it. And Habakkuk longed for Jehovah to be exalted. He wanted Him to be lifted up. Habakkuk says, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. Habakkuk says, But the Lord is in His holy temple. All this stuff going on, these Chaldeans marching in, the horses are faster than whatever. He says, But the Lord's in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before Him. Habakkuk sees it, right? He gets it. He understands where the greatness lies. And it lies with the Lord. He's more concerned and most concerned with Jehovah being exalted above all these gods and all these other nations. The problem was that that Israel and Judah were sinning so bad. It wasn't just the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans were wicked. But the Israelites had the covenants of God and so forth and had Jehovah as their God. And they were worshiping under every green tree, Baal and everything else and refuse to keep his ways, and he's bringing judgment, and, and Habakkuk is, is, uh, is crying out to God and, and wanting him to be glorified. Listen, Habakkuk knew the righteous character of God, and he, that he, he knew that he would always be just. So those that stand in the presence of the Lord, like Elijah in Ahab's day, right? He, he, could, he could confront Ahab, a king, a wicked king, but he could confront a king. Elijah could because he'd been standing in the presence of the king of kings. He had been with the Lord. Okay? And God spoke to him and God used him and he was the man for the hour. And, and Elijah was concerned with God's glory. And we see this. Habakkuk knew the righteous character of God. He knew that he'd always, he would always be just and, and be righteous and do what's just. Even in the light of all that was coming. 
He knew that, that the Lord was going to do right. This is the faith. This is where faith comes in. A holy God and a righteous God could not be otherwise. You and I need to rest on that fact. We need to sink back. Okay? Having done all to stand. We need to stand on the fact that He is just and righteous and He's going to do just. And that same encounter we mentioned of, of the Lord and, and uh, Abraham. Right before he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, Abraham says, "Lord, you, you would not destroy the the righteous with the with the wicked. You wouldn't destroy the righteous as though they were wicked. That'd be far from you." He knew that. That'd be far from you, Lord. Should not the judge of all the earth do right? This is Abraham speaking back to the Lord. Because he knew this character and nature of God. This knowledge of the Lord is so important. And Habakkuk had this knowledge of God. He knew that the Lord was going to do right. Even the judgment that came upon them was going to be meted out. It was going to be measured out from the Lord. It was going to be just. It was going to be what it was supposed to be. It wasn't just somebody losing their temper. Okay? And Habakkuk says, he whose his heart is lifted up in him is not right in his sight, but the just shall live by faith. This is where we get that scripture from. Habakkuk 2.4, the just shall live by faith. And it's requoted in Romans, it's requoted in Hebrews, but the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk knew this. And knowing the righteous character of God made his faith strong. When, when our faith is weak and we're not trusting the Lord, it is because we're not keeping our eyes on the Lord. We need to spend time in His presence. We need to come to know Him. That faith will automatically, so to speak, be strengthened. It will be strengthened. The more time we spend with the Lord, this knowledge of the Lord. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Knowledge of the holy. With that will come a knowledge of His ways and all the things that are of God, but a knowledge of Him. Knowledge of the Holy, the Holy being the Lord. The ones who know the Lord best are going to trust Him the most. That's a simple little thought, but just think about it. The, the ones that know, it could be a little child, but the ones that know the Lord the best are going to trust the Lord the most. We have many of our battles and struggles that you and I have as Christians are going to be because uh, we have moments of fear. We have moments of doubt. We have maybe seasons of fear and doubt. Is it ever going to really be like God says it's going to be in His Word? Yes. The answer is to me, and the answer is to you, yes. It's going to be like God says it is in His Word. It's going to be like He promised you. The Bible says of Abraham, Abraham, he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. That came much later than he wanted, but it came exactly when God wanted. The whole thing was a test of faith. The whole thing. And God is doing the same in our lives. The ones that know the Lord the best are going to trust Him most completely. There are those that might say God is good, but, they, but those that walk with the Lord closely know He's good. There's a difference. 
I might sing the song, God is good all the time and all the time God is good and sing things like this, but those that stand in His presence like Elijah and Habakkuk and Moses and so many others, they know He's good. They don't hope He's good. They don't just sing that He's good. They know in their heart of hearts He's a good God. He's going to do justice and mercy and He's going to do what's right. And so we are instructed but grow in grace and in what? In the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ is going to grow us in our faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to be more established. We're going to be more sure. We're not going to be as fearful. We're not going to doubt uh, as much. Faith will end in sight. There will come one day when we will know Him even as we're known of Him. But until then, I need my faith strengthened. And to have my faith strengthened, we go to the Word of God. And the Bible says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we grow in Him, our faith in Him is going to, to grow. The people of Israel, the children of Israel in Moses' day, they knew, we've talked about it, the Bible talks about it, they knew about the acts of God. In other words, they, they saw Mount Sinai with thick cloud of darkness over it and lightning bolts and heard these trumpet blasts. And they saw waters of the Red Sea part. And they saw manna come down from heaven and water come out of a rock when Moses spoke to it. They saw these things, and yet they didn't know the Lord. They saw His mighty acts, but they didn't trust Him at all. He could give them manna today, and they probably wondered, is He going to give us something to eat tomorrow? You know, they promised... You're going to have to eat on this till you get to the promised land. And the, and the day they got to the promised land, eventually, the manna stopped, right? But he could give them something today, a part of Red Sea to today, and tomorrow they're thinking we're going, to, we're going to die because we don't have any water out here. That is not the, not the way to be. Moses, the Bible says, knew the Lord. He knew His ways. And there was a huge difference. Therefore, it, it caused Moses to, to trust in God for tomorrow. What are you people so worried about? Didn't he do this, this, and this for us? Didn't he promise to do this, this, and this for us for the future? They're, they're going to worship a golden calf and want to get a commander to go back to Egypt. At least they got a little food there. Moses saying, you're crazy? He, he didn't bring us out here to kill us. Why? Because he knew God. He didn't just see his miracles. He knew the Lord. And knowing the Lord caused him to trust the Lord. He's a good God. Psalm 119, I think verse 68. Thou art good and doest good. And so we know that about the Lord. It's not just a song that we sing or a scripture that someone reads. When I grow in my knowledge of the Lord, I'll be like Habakkuk. And I'll know that about the Lord. And I will trust Him and believe Him in the future like that. And so uh, this, that's where the Lord wants to bring us and and bring us to that place and Habakkuk y'all he, he trusted in the in the Lord even in the midst of all this coming uh, judgment that was coming and we open with that in, in chapter 3 verse 17 he is facing Habakkuk personally we read about it as a historical account he was facing it it's getting ready to come this Chaldean army is coming it's 70 years of captivity. Most people weren't even going to survive it. Okay? Those that weren't killed were taken captive 
And, and a lot of people died right there. God, God also promised to bring him back. But he's facing this uh, bleakest, darkest, most fearful time. And the, the Scripture says it made him physically weak when he heard about it. Physically, he got weak from it. That's, it reminds me of Daniel. When Daniel is in the Lord's revealing to him by Gabriel, uh, all these end times things that we read about during the tribulation, and he reveals to him the character of Antichrist and what he's going to say and what he's going to do and the power he's going to have. And it says that, I forgot for how long, but Daniel actually was physically sick. Physically sick from seeing Antichrist. That vision and what his ministry, or not ministry, what his, his effect was going to be and his power was going to be. And that he was going to blaspheme God and get away with it, so to speak, for a little short time. All right? It made him sick. And, and, and Habakkuk was physically weak when God pronounced this judgment to him and the, the nature of it. And how in, in detail. And Habakkuk makes in the midst of that and facing all, this is what's coming. God said it's going to come. He's not changing his mind. This is going to happen. Okay? And then he makes these two professions of faith that we open with in the midst of that. That speaks to me. That convicts me. And it's what, what we're talking about here this morning. How, how many of you know that, uh, that we're facing dark times? And many of you may be just personally in a very dark place. You might be in a hard place. I'm talking about as a Christian. You might, you might be facing a, a, a something coming that's dark. I'm not trying to make you scared or depressed. I'm just saying you might be. And we know this. We know it as, as if we've been walking with Jesus any time at all. God does allow His children to go through trials. Se- severe trials. Dark times. Dark valleys. Deep valleys. His own children who He loves. Who He shepherds. Who He cares for. He allows us to go through dark paths, to pass through deep valleys, to experience heartache, hurt, pain, loss, confusion, disappointment. He allows us to go through things that are completely contrary to how you and I would want them to be. Completely opposite. I'm praying for this and the exact opposite is happening, God. Exact opposite is happening. So He allows us to go through things that we don't like and are even contrary to what we've been praying and He'll let us go right through the midst of it. You know what He's doing though? He's lovingly working in us to produce a testimony like that of Habakkuk. Now the Bible does say give honor to whom honors do. Amen? I'm honoring Him in the sense that He trusted the Lord. What we know about His life just a little bit. I don't know everything about Habakkuk. But just from these Scriptures that we've read, He's, he's working in us to save lost men, reconcile men unto himself through the blood of Jesus, and he's working in save men to have a testimony of Christ on the earth through our lives. So it's pretty simple, really. He's working to have a stronger, more clear, perfect, I would say unpolluted testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ in us and then come back out of us. He wants to bring back out of us what he's working in us. We're going through things. We're wrestling with God like Jacob. Wrestling all night. 
Uh, we're wrestling with God in prayer for a season, for a lifetime. And, and we're going through heartaches and hardships. He's working in us. And when the finished product, He wants to bring it back out of us, that your faith may come through as pure gold, tried in the furnace where? Of affliction. Tried in the furnace of affliction. That's what He's working to produce. That, that finished product is, is to be Jesus. Not my version of Jesus, but Jesus. Not a tainted version of Jesus. Not a compromised version of Jesus. His grace, His love, His mercy, His, his uh, power, everything. His righteousness. Yes, He's imputed it to us like we heard in Sunday school, but He's also working to actually produce that in us. A fruit and a testimony. There was a testimony that Habakkuk had. And it was, there was a profession. And, and Job had it. What, nobody besides Jesus. I can't think of any man that we don't know of any man that went through what Job went through. Okay? It's almost like he just singled him out for trial. Trials. Great trials. Severe trials. And just singled him out. He's God. He can do what He wants to do. And yet He's still good and He still loves Him, right? He singled Him out, so to speak. And He says to the devil, have you considered My servant Job? And then He allows him to go through all the things He went through. That his, God's purpose was a testing. God's purpose was a strengthening. God's purpose was out of that man's mouth and out of his heart when it was all over that it would come back out to the glory of God. That he would be strengthened by it. And he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I will maintain my ways before him. Now that's an amazing thing. This is not just everybody, but it could be everybody. God is allowing you to go through trials because he wants to get that testimony back out of us. Though you kill me, Lord, I'm still going to trust you. Though I don't like what's going on. If I stay sick the rest of my life, I'm still going to trust you. I'm going to praise you. And I'm going to rejoice. Yes, I'm praying that you heal me. If my family stays estranged from me the rest of my life, Lord, I don't want it. You don't want it. You want them to be saved and us to be reconciled. But I'm still going to trust you. I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to walk away from the faith. I'm going to give you the honor that's due your name. If these Chaldeans have come through here, and they are, and trample everything underfoot, and kill and tear the temple down and burn it down, and take the people of God captive to a pagan land, I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to trust you and glorify you. And we have to remember a few things. This world's not our home. So remind yourself of that. It's not our home. And so in the midst of all this and facing all this, turn back with me if you would to where we started, Habakkuk 3, 17-18. In the midst of all this, what he's facing, in spite of verse 17, although the fig tree shall not blossom and so forth, he makes two professions. I grouped them into two. Verse 18, he says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. I will do this. Okay, I will do it in spite of what's happening and about to happen in light of what's happening and about to happen right in the middle of it all. I will rejoice. That means be joyful, jump for joy in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Every word of this is important. He's making a profession. Circumstances are these, but I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. It's me and Him. Me and Him. 
I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. Okay? I'm going to be overjoyed in the Lord. He is the God of my salvation. So there's hope there. See, there's a, he, he, you know, I know you've heard it before. When you gave your life to Christ, you were saved on such and such a day. We're being saved all the way through this life and we're going to be saved. You know, it says the end of your salvation, the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. It's a, it's a process. We're saved all at once and yet God's preserving us, right? And saving us every day and keeping us through this life. He's able to bring us faultless before His throne with joy one day and, and we're going to be saved completely. Our salvation will be finished and perfected even with a glorified body. Right? So there's a process and, and, and there's a hope to it. The God of my salvation. And Isaiah, it's written in Isaiah 43.10 if you're taking notes. That ye may know and believe me and understand that I am He. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. And there is no God else beside me. A just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. And Habakkuk knows this. Any man of God or woman that keeps our eyes on the Lord by faith, we know it. Knowing that He's our Savior and our God. Amen? He's from everlasting to everlasting. And so Habakkuk is saying, you're my Savior. You're saving me. And you're going to save me even through a Babylonian captivity. You're going to save me though the fig trees don't blossom. And all these things going on. So there's a hope there. And there's a joy there. And it's not joy in circumstances, it's joy in the Lord. And that's, this is all through the Bible. This is not Old Testament or New Testament, it's always. Paul says in Philippians 4.4, 4, uh, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. He is the reason, Habakkuk would say it, Paul would say it, He is the reason, the Lord is, that I have joy, and He is my joy. He is the reason I have hope, and He is my hope. He is the reason... Uh, he is my Savior and He's going to save me. And so He knows this and He proclaims, I will. Right after verse 17, where everything's contrary, and everything's bad and dark and gloomy and empty, He says, I will. That will is very important. We talk about it all the time. We've been talking about it a lot on Wednesday nights. I'm just going to touch on it real quickly. When, when He says in verse 18, yet I will, in spite of all this, yet I will. It's not an arrogance. It's not an arrogance at all. I will rejoice in the Lord. That was Habakkuk's will. That was God's will. But it was Habakkuk's will. You know, Buck talked about it so much this morning. And it's, it's, there's always this, and Alberto kind of echoed it at the end of Sunday school about what part in this Christian walk or life does God do? And what do we do? And there's a blending. Well, I can't answer that all at once, but we can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We know what we can't do. We can't save ourselves. We can't do any of these things for ourselves. We can't empower ourselves. But the Lord gives us what we need and expects us to, by faith, to walk in the power of His mind. There are things that only God can do and we shouldn't try to do. There are things that God is not going to do for us. And He is going to expect us to do it by the provisions that He's given us. By the ability inwardly. It's in us now as believers to do it. And He's not going to do those things 
for us. There are things in our walk with God. You know, I think about the day of Pentecost, the Bible says they all, the Holy Ghost came came upon all the believers, right? In the upper room. And it said they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they did speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Who spoke? The people spoke. The believers that received the Holy Ghost spoke. They did it. It doesn't say God spoke. They did speak. They spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That to me is such a good picture of it. You want to know the answer to that question? What do we do? What does God do? God does everything through us. He equips us and expects us to walk in it. A lot of times we don't. He can't do it or won't do it for us. He's going to expect us to walk in the provisions that He's given us by faith. And when we're weak, He'll strengthen us. He'll enable us to do it. But they spoke. Let's say God spoke. God speaks all the time. These 120 believers spoke in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance or gave them the language to speak. That's a good picture of it. But Habakkuk proclaims. He says, I will. Now God has to strengthen our will. and We have to surrender to His will. But He purposed to rejoice in the Lord in the midst of this. And a lot of it is a mindset. I'm not talking about positive thinking. I'm talking about biblical thinking. I'm talking about thinking by faith. There is a determination. I can get up tomorrow and just be depressed all day. I can literally choose that in the morning. I'm going to have a lousy day. I'm going to be grumpy. I'm going to be short. I'm going to be negative. If somebody says something exciting, I'm going to frown on it and throw water on it and, and dampen it and say how it's not going to be good. It's going to be bad. I can get up literally and do that and still be a Christian. All right? Or I can get up and say, the Dow just plunged a record low. And I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. There is something to be said with our will, setting it upon the Lord and trusting Him. Let me tell you something. Habakkuk, and we're bringing this to a close. Habakkuk was not crazy, saying all these things are going to come from God. And yet I'm going to rejoice. He wasn't crazy. He wasn't in denial. He wasn't ignorant of the circumstances. But his will was surrendered to the Lord. And he was going to rejoice. Amen? He's going to rejoice even in the midst of it. Not a self-will. It's it's more of a consent to the will of God. Consenting to the will of God and letting Him have your will. Your will being surrendered to His. And he takes over. So that's his first profession. In the midst of all these horrible circumstances and judgment that are coming, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord and the God of my salvation. And look at verse 19. And here's the second profession. The Lord God is my strength. And I'm putting these as one. And He will make my feet like hinds feet and will make me to walk upon my high places. So His hope and His confidence was in the goodness of God the power of God, the ability of God, even in the midst of these strong armies, this judgment, this captivity, the the killing, all that was going to be going on. He is going to be my strength. How am I going to make it through all this? Well, the Lord God is my strength. Second of all, He's going to do something for me. He will make my feet like hinds feet. That's a deer, okay? Um, I didn't do a study on it really, but it's a deer. I've heard it's either really quick 
and has to have sure footing to be able to get away from whatever's chasing it, or, or uh, uh, climbing up rocky cliffs and mountains and needs sure footing to not slip and fall. Either way, it's both a good analogies, okay? He will make my feet like Heinz's feet, all right, and cause me to stand, and he will cause me to walk upon my high places. I'm thinking about this. Not high places like the Baal worshipers that worshipped everyone under every green tree in a high place and cried out to Baal and offered their children in the, in the fire and things like this. But high places, to me, that's in the Lord. He'll make me to walk in high places. What if he's even actually physically carried away to Babylon? He still can walk in high places. The Bible says we've been made to sit together in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. That's not just when we go to heaven. That's now when we're saved. We're seated with Him, with the Lord, in heavenly places now. That to me is, is what that speaks of. He will make me to stand in my high, my high places. That to me is a place of victory. That to me is a place of overcoming. And it's all in the Lord. It's in Jesus. Everywhere you look, Okay, just picture it, what he's about to face. And, and even in our own lives, it could be. Everywhere you look, disappointment. Every new day brings bad news, not good news. Everywhere you turn, there's emptiness. Everyone you expect, everywhere you'd expect to find help, fails. Things you've counted on all your life, not there for you now. This is what Habakkuk's facing. We might relate to this in some part. Or maybe in a big part. Things or people you've counted on all your life that would ordinarily be there for you, so to speak, that you could always go to in a crunch and fall back on this in a bind. And those things are taken from you. And they're not there. This is how it was going to be in Habakkuk's day. Everything that you would normally fall upon flee to in a time of trouble. Resort to. I can always fall back. Worst comes to worst, I can always fall back on this bank account. I can always fall back upon so and so. And these things were going to be not there. And the Lord's going to be there, though, y'all. The Lord's going to be there. This is what He's trying to teach us. That's what I learned from Habakkuk and his profession of faith. That just shall live by faith, he says. Just to live by faith. Jesus isn't failing you. He's trying to teach you that He's not. Things crumble tomorrow in our country. Jesus didn't fail you. He's not going to fail you. The Lord didn't let you down. His Word doesn't lie. He doesn't let us down. He's working in us. Indeed, you can come. I'm bringing this to a close. He's working in a glorious work in our lives, in your life. So let's move from Habakkuk right now to us. You, the trials that you're going through. Things that you were counted on so much and relied upon. Ripped out from under you possibly. But God didn't fail you. God is your strength. And you know what He wants us to see? He wants to peel off these layers from our heart, from our mind, from our lives to where we don't have anything else to trust in but God. He's not being cruel. I'm not saying He's coming to, to, tomorrow to take your children away from you. I'm saying He's working to peel things back from our lives to where, where there's nothing else to stand on but the Lord. 
and we can still rejoice like Habakkuk in it. We can still rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's one man of God says, here's the blessedness of faith. And this, this whole lesson to me is faith like Habakkuk. Here is the blessedness of faith. Joy at its best with circumstances at their worst. Joy at its best with circumstances at their worst. We haven't even seen the worst of circumstances. They're worse than, than we're in now. They're worse ones than we've experiencing currently. What a victory. And I thought to myself, the devil can't touch that man, can he? Or that woman. The devil cannot. It's all been taken from them, and they still, like Job, going to say, I'm going to trust him. Though he slay me, I'm going to trust him. Habakkuk says, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, just let it sink in. We're closing with this passage, y'all. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, just picture it, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like hinds feet, and He will make me to walk upon my high places. He will do it. The man of God that can lay hold on Him by faith knows that. And we'll be able to go through any trial that the devil would throw our way, that God would allow us to go through, that this world would bring upon us. Nothing, let me tell you, nothing's going to happen to your life that God doesn't let happen to your life. You don't have to worry about it. There's not one thing you're going to go through that your God in heaven doesn't allow you to go through. And if your God in heaven allows you to go through it, He will be with you. He will make your feet like Hans' feet so you don't fall. He will cause you to walk in overcoming victorious high places in Jesus. He'll do it. I say it all the time. You're His responsibility. He'll take care of you. I'm His responsibility. That new church building, that's God's responsibility. He'll take care of it. He'll do it. He's going to make sure it gets done. He'll use us to do it. He may send someone else to do something. But he, He'll make sure it's done. Amen? Y'all stand with me this morning. I want us to pray very simply that for a faith and a testimony like Habakkuk to be able to trust God 